Join brilliant minds as they come together to tackle the biggest healthcare problems facing the globe. The content in this series is taken from the 2018 conference in London. Coming up is Dr. Catherine Calderwood on global citizenship and how Scotland is tackling health inequality worldwide. Enjoy. Thank you very much, Ben, for the, the kind invitation to speak and to hopefully we'll get some time for questions and answers at the end because I always, every audience I speak to and I speak to a lot, uh, I, I really always get something back from the audience, so not just me, me talking to you. I thought I would start, though, with a, a story. A story uh, it's a story about a medical student, actually. I'm, I'm a doctor myself. I'm an obstetrician. I still have an antenatal clinic. I'm the only chief mod medical officer ever to still see patients, and I'm very proud of that. But this medical student, it's quite a while ago, this medical student ended up in the Mengo Mission Hospital in Uganda. Some of you may know that hospital, and some of you may have been there or worked in Uganda. The, the, the medical student was there with some friends and really uh, found the, what was happening to be uh, very, very different from home. At that time, 80% of the inpatients in Mengo Mission Hospital were HIV positive because this was a time when slim disease was really spreading and nobody quite knew what was happening. This medical student was, was quite keen on, on working hard and getting as much experience as possible. And, and so the extra shifts that were on available were, were taken up. And, and this medical student spent quite a lot of time doing work at night and and, and extra shifts, particularly on the labor ward, particularly like the atmosphere of the labor ward and, and was stories afterwards of how amazing it was that a woman could be in labor for a long time and then have the baby get up off the bed, wipe the mattress clean, the wipe clean mattress with her own dress, rinse it out, wrap it round her, including the baby this time, and walk on out home again. And what an amazing thing that would be for, for a medical student to see, of course. There was one particular night that this medical student remembers very vividly. So there were, there were two women in labor, both of which were going to need a cesarean section, a cesarean section for emergency obstetric reasons, which of course, as you'll know, means that actually the baby is really urgently needing to be delivered for the sake of the life of that baby. Two women at the same time, one doctor, one theater, one set of scrubs, one set of greens, one set of equipment. It wasn't going to be two cesarean sections done at the same time. So that doctor had to make a decision, a decision about which baby to deliver and save the life of, and which baby not to deliver by cesarean section. And that decision was not an easy one, as you might imagine. And the medical student asked when the decision had been made, what was it 
that made you make your choice of that mother and saving that baby's life and leaving as you knew would happen, that baby would not survive. And the doctor said, well, this mother has enough money to one, care for her baby once it's born, and two, she will come to the hospital the next time she's pregnant. She will not labor somewhere else and risk her own life with a cesarean section scar. And the other mother is very poor. Her baby may die anyway in childhood, and she might die if she gets pregnant again. And that medical student remembered that situation for the rest of her life. <coughs> it was the very stark inequalities between the rich and the poor being played out, and the very stark reality of what life is like if you don't have enough medical care, medical staff, or equipment. And that medical student decided then that she was going to become an obstetrician and that she at some point would give something back to the developing world and to the people of Uganda. So I was looking for some photos to show you of my time in Mengo Mission Hospital last night. <coughs> but I got so absorbed in looking at them that I haven't brought any with me to show you <laughs> because I didn't have time and I needed to go to bed to get up early in the morning to fly from Edinburgh to tell you my story of why I became an obstetrician and why I now, as Chief Medical Officer for Scotland, am really so supportive of all of the work of charities like FET and the work that I'm going to describe to you that we in Scottish government are now doing. So we have an international development vision in Scotland. We have called it global citizenship. And what we want to do in Scotland as a nation is embedding global goals and that Scotland will contribute to sustainable development and the fight against poverty, injustice and inequality internationally. So in and amongst that strategy, which was published very recently, we have a, a, an international development approach that Scotland has taken. We have some partner countries, and we've chosen those because, in part because of historical links with Scotland, and also because we feel that by having fewer countries, which we sp support very specifically, that we can actually channel our support and our resource very well. You'll see that Uganda is not on that list, but that doesn't stop, of course, people supporting countries that they have links with. Our real aim is to move beyond aid, and we would really like to have all of what we do as a needs-led intervention, eradicating poverty and inequalities. What we also aim to do is harness Scottish expertise. So sharing with NHS Scotland, as I will tell you, uh, with our global health contribution. So our priorities, there are four of them. Two of them are outward facing, and two of them are inward facing to the people of Scotland. So we want to encourage new and historic relationships, 
you will, I'm sure, know of the um, David Livingstone connection with Scotland and Malawi, and one in seven Scots are able to claim some kind of connection with Malawi. <laughs> and so we have very um, good and long-standing historic relationships, and we must try to encourage those. We also want to empower our partner com countries, and that's what, what I alluded to about the needs-led interventions. But we then have to, um, we, we want to engage our people of Scotland to, to let them understand more about the world uh, that, that we are supporting there and enhance our global citizenship in the world. So I was asked to chair a, a global health committee. It's a large room full of people, and Mike McCurdy, who will be speaking on the panel later, was one of those people. There were probably 30 or 40 people in the room, and all of those people had their own bit of the jigsaw that they wanted to, to talk about. And we really, after a couple of meetings, decided that we would narrow down and focus on our NHS Scotland, our health service. And Liz Grant, also in the audience mentioned earlier, and others uh, with a university background were uh, very much involved in how would we do this. So Mike and, and a, a young trainee surgeon called Stuart Ferguson authored this report, which you can see on the internet, uh, which is all about our volunteering, Scottish NHS staff going out to developing countries and making a contribution. It's full of case studies, the, the, um, not only of doctors and nurses and, and medical students, not only of clinical staff, but we have NHS volunteers from all across our system. One of the most powerful stories is a, a chap called Gary Mortimer, who's a hospital engineer. He and his colleagues went to Zambia to a hospital where they had heard from the medical students that were there that the hospital was, was really great, the medical students had great experience, but the hospital had no running water. So Gary and a couple of his colleagues from the, um, the plumbing department went out, and within two weeks, they had 80% of the uh, hospital covered with running water. Arguably, you might say that a bigger contribution to that hospital's provision of health care than a single doctor, a single nurse going. So there are opportunities for all of our staff across NHS Scotland, not just, of course, to be uh, traveling and, and offering practical help, but also to have the opportunity to do teaching and learning. And there was a nice um, presentation I was in earlier and uh, from Northumbria Trust, where we looked at uh, the teaching and training that's being done with laparoscopic surgery with live cameras to the, um, the, the UK, actually teaching and training surgeons. We have our, our Hospital for Sick Children in, in Edinburgh has a weekly meeting with oncologists in Tanzania a multidisciplinary team meeting done over Skype where they bring difficult, complicated children's cancer as cases in Tanzania to discuss with their now friends and colleagues in Edinburgh. Once a week during a lunchtime, nobody travels anywhere. And of course, that is if, if, with people giving up their time, that is at, at virtually no cost. 
So we really had a, a fantastic response to this global citizenship report. Uh, much to the, uh, the credit goes to Mike and, and Stuart for bringing together such a fantastic um, piece of work that, that really, I, th I think, brought together for the first time what, what Scotland's NHS was contributing. So what we then decided we would like to do was to really strengthen that, strengthen that contribution that NHS Scotland could make. So that um, report was brought to where I work in Scottish government. Now we get a lot of uh, demands, all sorts of people bring us pieces of work that they would like Scottish government to fund and to support. Um, and I made sure that I was at the meeting that Mike and Stuart brought that report to. And I um, perhaps had a, a degree of bias as to this particular piece of work when I was discussing it with my colleagues. But what was fantastic was at that management board meeting for Scottish Government, we accepted all of the recommendations in that report. And we have now then set forward what I'll, I'll show you is now happening very uh, excitingly in Scotland. So that Global Health Collaborative Committee continues to be shared by me. The, the, the website there, and I'll show you again at the end, has a section. And if any of you would like to join us, you sign up, tell us a little bit about your organization. And it really just works as a network of interested parties who would want to get in touch perhaps with each other. Or uh, there are lots of contacts and, and useful um, websites there. We've set up a program board. It's chaired by, by the, the chair of one of our health boards. And it has been funded with a civil servant, fantastic girl, Kerry, who is running this program board. We're just getting going on a global health coordination unit. So that is taking those NHS staff who at the moment are, are mostly going on an ad hoc basis. It's because they've got a connection with Malawi or somewhere else or their, their, their relative or another medical student tells them about somewhere that was good. We actually want to harness all of that to be able to do two things to provide people who want to volunteer with all sorts of practical help, vaccinations, contract issues, etc., and to also then provide them with places where their, their help would be most useful. Similarly, then, the other way around is to offer somewhere where some uh, developing countries, low-middle-income countries, would want to come to us and say, we need such and such. At the moment, we have a request from Zambian Medical School asking us for some retired doctors to come out actually specifically to teach primary care skills. So Scottish primary care G GPs will go and do that. That's a simple and um, extremely worthwhile, as you can imagine, exchange program. We also have surgeons traveling to uh, gain experience in Scotland, enhanced surgical skills. So that coordination unit, I, I think, will grow. We, we haven't uh, got masses of experience with it yet, but it's, it's something that will grow over years. And my vision would be that, that medical students like me would perhaps provide a sustainable source of staff, not just medical students, but other clinical staff, so that they weren't just ad hoc a few weeks coming and going because that's part of their medical school course. So you'll see all the information on that website that's there. We have global health champions in each of our 14 health boards in Scotland. We have a register of interested people, which uh, anyone can sign up to. And there's a network of those champions who are spreading the information amongst themselves. As another example, I, at my uh, 
collaborative committee meeting on Wednesday, we heard about a new children's charity in Zambia. It's called Kids OR, Kids Operating Room, and it aims to send equipment from NHS Scotland to equip some of very few specific operating rooms for children in Zambia. So I asked them when they came to me, what, uh, do you need anything in particular? And of course, yes, we need this and this. So we have a list of the facilities managers across our NHS in Scotland. We drop them an email. We ask them if they've got this piece of equipment, that those consumables. We put them in touch with KidsOR and they have a collecting depot in Dundee. So we are able to facilitate something much more coordinated, and I'm sure you'll see from that example, much, much greater impact than the sum of small amounts of, of equipment and or people going separately. We also really champion links with specific hospitals. One of our small rural hospitals, the Borders General, has had a, a very uh, key link with a hospital for 15 or 20 years with regular staff going uh, out to work there. So we're trying to have a, a pairing up type uh, relationship with, with hospitals where some of our um, staff already have a relationship. So it's multifactorial, multifaceted. We want to engage with key stakeholders as I'm starting to illustrate uh, to you. We're developing a, an HR policy at the moment, as with many um, of us, uh, it's, it's down to an individual. They have differing advice. They get different terms and conditions. They may or may not get time off. They may need to take annual leave, and we would like to standardize that for Scotland. We have the buy-in from all of our chief executives that actually the, the rewards to the NHS in Scotland far outweigh the rota gaps, which of course, as you know, are, are often a tension when people are trying to run a service at home. And of course, the NHS in Scotland is primarily to provide health care to the Scottish population. But we, have, we seem to have removed that tension and really got a very good um, cooperative atmosphere in Scotland. So we're developing our health partnerships. We're mapping our international medical training initiatives to be able to um, further coordinate surgical, for example, experience from particular low and middle income countries. And we also are, are spreading the word, as I'm sure you've been hearing all of uh, yesterday and this morning, about just the benefits for those people who do go to volunteer and the skills that they bring back, as well as what they're offering to their host countries. So next steps, we have our first Global Citizenship Conference on the 2nd of November. I don't know if it's full or not. I shouldn't offer tickets. If it's not full, please come. We have our website being uh, continually updated and developed. And as I said, we're really trying to encourage our NHS health board, so the equivalent of, of trusts in England, to longer term health partnerships with specific countries and specific um, hospitals and primary care settings. So I, I suspect, because Ben has warned me, that some of you listening to some of this may indeed be, as Ben said, uh, thinking that you might want to come and live and be in Scotland. I, um, 
I think that we have been able to, to do a fantastic uh, piece of work. We're quite a small, cohesive country. We have a, a very um, altruistic, I think, um, society. I, I would dearly love, though, that, that Ben would be standing up in a few years' time and saying that actually there are places now in England that have followed Scotland's lead. That's how he persuaded me to come uh, all this way to speak to you. So I'm very happy to take questions uh, and then obviously we've got our nice panel straight after this uh, to which I can uh, can also contribute so thank you very much indeed this is the THET podcast on the Medics Academy Network if you'd like to learn more about THET you can find our website at THET.org